0: How many of you are ready for the word this afternoon? Well, I'm not preaching. I'm not preaching. Uh, but I've got a really good friend who is. You know, it, we as, as, as pastors, we, we meet uh, every two weeks, uh, you know, in a, in a small group to pray, to cry, to laugh, and to eat. And to just come together as city church pastors and trust God for great things for our city. And in this group that we meet, in this group that we meet in, I had the God-given privilege to meet Pastor Tim. I counted a privilege, you know, of, yes, of allowing God, uh, of of God allowing me to cross paths with this man. Pastor Tim Maxson is a a pastor at a church, very well-known church in Dubai called Fellowship Dubai, but what I really admire about this man is his heart for unity amongst city leaders. You know, there'd be a number of meetings, there'd be a number of meetings that would come up, that we would hear about, and he would say, let's do this together. Let's do this together. Let us go together. I really love his heart for people. I love the man that he is. And I love what he what, what what he brings to this group. He's been such an encouragement to me as well. And I absolutely love him. So without taking much, uh, without taking much time, I would I would all I would like all of us to stand and welcome the man of God. You know? It's the first time we're having a physical speaker speak this year at our church. And I really feel the Bible says, give honor where honor is due. You know? And Pastor Dick, we want to appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. And it's all yours.
1: Wow, I could get used to this. <laughs> you know, I will say that a lot of people talk about unity, and, um, but it, this is an action step right here. I don't know uh, a lot of churches that are willing to swap their pulpit with other pastors. And so that just speaks highly of you. And we will continue to deepen this friendship over the years. When God would get to take a group of pastors together that would unite around Jesus, I think God can do something in a city. Amen. 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 Hey, man, I want to just dig in because I've got a lot of stuff and I don't really—I've not went over it, so I'm going to stick close to my notes. So we're going to get out of here on time um, because I'm not known for that. But I know that we have strict, uh, you know, requirements here. But I'm going to say that, first of all, I know you guys have been in uh, talking about the Word of God in a series, right? And this, this Word of God has changed my life. I remember early on, I barely graduated high school. I wasn't, um, the, ele- the elevator wasn't going to the top floor, if you know what I'm saying. I was involved in all sorts of stuff, drugs and alcohol and everything that you can imagine. And Jesus changed my life and I wanted so desperately, it was like my spirit was so hungry that my mind couldn't even keep up. And literally in those early days, I would read a little bit of the verse and it would just be like, just one or two verses. And it would be too much for my mind. But I wanted it so desperately that I'd get down and I'd do push-ups. Get the adrenaline going again and get back up. Adrenaline going again. Get back up and read a little more. Read a little more. And I remember in those early days of, of just falling asleep like it was a pillow. You know, and then waking up with slobber and Romans and Acts and, you know, because slobber, slobber, does that translate? in spit, drool. The word of God is precious. It's so beautiful. And today, if I had any sort of title for the sermon today, it would be that Jesus loves the Bible. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are, I wait. Okay, all right, all right. I wish I could have made it in the same tune as Jesus loves the Bible, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves the Bible, and the Bible loves Jesus. Jesus believed in the scriptures. He knew and knows the scriptures will last forever. It is amazing how the word of God has transcended time, and it will, and it will go into eternity. And now remember, the scriptures that Jesus loved was just the Old Testament, right? It was just the Old Testament, of course. That's all they had. And although by the time he was walking around, even, the, even that testament was, was getting pretty old. But Jesus and his people believed in the scripture. Jesus is truth all the time in every way. He's not walking, talking tr- contradiction like we are, for example. We are a compilation of contradictions. Let me name a few. We want the security of savings, but we also want possessions. We want to work, but we also want our leisure time. We want to be thin, right? And fit, but we want to eat everything. And I don't like working out. We gravitate towards sin, but we are children of God. That's our true identity. Jesus is truth, and truth can never contradict itself, but I will say that Jesus never ceases to amaze me in this scripture. Right when I think that I've got Jesus figured out, he does something different. He does it in my life. He actually does it in the scripture, too. I'm like, no, I know what he's going to do. And so many of them did. I know what he's going to do. He's going to be a king. He's going to take this the kingdom by force, right? Nope, that didn't happen. Do you remember when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet? Do you remember? Humbly dressed. This is God. Wait a second. God being like a servant, kneeling down. In lots of our cultures, we understand that. Like, why would God do that? Don't do that. Don't do that. Right. And even one of them said, oh, no, you're not washing my feet. Remember Peter? He was washing all the disciples. He got to Peter and Peter's like, "Uh uh-uh, no, we're not having that. And Jesus says this, that humble servant turned into the boss then. He said, hey, if you don't let me wash your feet, you're out of here. You're not going to have a part of me. And what was Peter's response? Oh, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands, my head, my everything. I'm in if this is what it takes to follow you. You know, the... I'm just to be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a seminary dropout. I never finished. I started having babies. I've got five children. And I never finished my master's of divinity degree. And I'm not necessarily proud of that or not proud of it, okay? But one thing I did learn for all that money that I spent was that God is not either or, but he's both and. And he shows that all the time in the scriptures. Jesus doesn't fit in the box of religion. Now I'm going to give you a caveat right here right now. This is what I'm talking about. This is the heart of the message. It's not a sermon, it's an exhortation. And it's exhortation for for me, for you. It's an exhortation to not make what we're doing here about religion but about relationship. So if you can hear that in the things that I'm getting ready to say, I think it might make more sense. Because I'll tell you what, the longer we are as Christians, the longer I battle not to become religious. It's just the truth. Some of you are not in your head, you know. You remember those early days when it's all about relationship and then you grew in knowledge and you grew in knowledge, and you grew in knowledge. And some of us have got to fight, just like some of us has got to fight in our marriages, right? To keep our marriages strong, to keep our our relationship with our kids strong, to keep our friendship strong. It takes it to battle, right? It's the same way with God. Actually, He does the fighting, we do the surrendering, right? So Jesus is best known. Jesus loves the Bible. This I know he, he is. He is out of the box. Actually, Jesus is in the box. He's out of the box. He made the box. He's made it all. Jesus best known teaching is in the Sermon on the Mount. And I love this teaching. He starts the Sermon on the Mount with this unbelievable regard for the Holy Scripture. Matthew chapter five, verse 17 says this. Do not think that I've come to abolish, to do away with the law. Or the prophets, but to fulfill them. Truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not a, not a iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is accomplished. The smallest letter, not the stroke of a pen, by no means will disappear. God is not out to do away with the law, to abolish the law, but he's out to fulfill the law. So Jesus places incredible value on the Scriptures, and these old words will never, the Old Testament, the New Testament, they'll never go out of style. He places incredible value on the Scriptures, and so should we. His Bible wasn't on the phone. In fact, they wouldn't even have had, Jesus wouldn't even have had a leather-bound book, Right? He'd been reading from, from, he'd been hearing it from the synagogues, from rabbis, from the scrolls, right? He mentions scripture so many times, though Jesus is soaked in the scriptures. He's a walking, talking Bible. He is the word and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, right? He mentions Jesus loves the Bible. He mentions it in all of his teachings he's mentioning. He's talking about Adam, Abel, Noah, Sodom and Gomorrah. He mentions these guys, Abraham, the burning bush, the man in the wilderness, the bronze serpent raised on the stick. He knows about the exploits of David and the treasures of Solomon. He talks about Elijah and Elisha and Jonah and he mentions the martyrdom of Zechariah. And these are just some of the things that he mentions. He knows it all. He's, he's always mentioning images like bride and living water that are, that are connected to the scriptures that he's soaked in. He's drawing these pictures from scripture. Bridegroom, Song of Solomon. Ezekiel, he mentions. Daniel, he talks about I am from the scripture. Jesus loves the Bible. This I know. And I want you to see that. Because I feel like. We, we, we want to love the Bible. But I don't know it means something to me. Does it mean something to you. That, that actually Jesus loves the Bible. So if Jesus loves the Bible. Then I need to engage my heart the same way. That this life and learning and love for God is not outside of the Scripture. That's in the Scripture. If I want to grow in God, I will learn more about what is written about God. But what was he like when he was alone? When he wasn't teaching, right? What about the hard times? What about, you know, those times when he was just just felt alone? Well, there are times, you know, remember the time in the desert? Forty days he was facing great temptation. And you know what he relies on? Scripture, right? It is written. He says it three times. It It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. Another time in the Garden of Gethsemane alone, because his friends are sleeping, talking to his father about his future fate. Where does he go to about his future? It's scripture that decides what he will do. On the cross, Psalm 22 comes out. My God, my God, why, has you, why have you forsaken me? That's Psalm, you, you, get to, you see this? It's just coming out of him. The resurrection, Luke 24. This is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me. In the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms. Then he opened up their minds so that they could understand what he was saying, which was the scripture. Public life, private life, before the cross, after the cross, and after and, and after the resurrection. Jesus' life was was dominated by the scriptures. He lived the word, and the word was living. I don't know why I grabbed a hold of this idea, but I thought, like, Jesus... Was just like going around like, okay, the scripture says this, so I'm going to check a box, make sure I do that. I want to tell you that that, in further study, that's not what happened. That's not what happened in the mystery of God. Get this: your three and a half pounds of gray matter have not figured this book out. There is a mystery, and we need to keep the mystery in the book. But somehow, some way, Jesus being so. In the word of God, being the word of God, these writers of old were writing about his life, connecting. He wasn't going, I need Isaiah said this, I need to do this. Let's check it off. Let's check it off. Let's check it off. Like a train on a railroad track. Just check. No, no. That's the beauty of a man, fully man, fully God, destined to die. And fulfill and be resurrected. And fulfill all the scripture. So we can know. There's even more proof. But it takes more than proof. It takes more than apologetics. It takes the spirit acting. To open up our hearts. To see the truth that is in Jesus. John 5 verse 39. It's a great verse on this. Jesus is talking to some Jews. I want to say that. I just, I don't know, I, I'm having trouble on, on knowing how to say this without it sounding bad. Don't take this bad. The scripture, Jesus, Jesus is not bound by scripture. The scripture is bound by Jesus. Amen? This is a truth that this is so important to get at. John 5, 39 is a great verse on this. Jesus is talking to some Jews about the Old Testament, and he says, you study the scriptures. You remember this one? You study the scriptures diligently because you think that that in them you will have eternal life. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So get that. Wow. As much as the word is to be elevated, Jesus is elevating himself above the word. It's not heresy. Trust me. See your pastor if you have a problem with that. As much as Jesus has a love for scripture, he's saying it's much more, as much importance Jesus places on the scripture, he's saying, I am more important. I am more important. And some of you may need to hear just as Jesus thinks he is, he's much more important. He also thinks scripture is going to last forever. There's usually two camps. Oh, I don't really need the word of God. I have this relationship thing going on, right? Or, or, or vice versa. I only need this. Be careful. Be careful spirit and truth spirit and truth john chapter 8 um, says uh, oh we love this story let me get my glasses on john chapter 8 it's the woman right the woman that's caught in adultery the scribes and the pharisee brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst they said to him "Teacher." A woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, the Bible says, commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against Jesus. And Jesus bent down. What did he do? He wrote with his finger on the ground as they continued to ask him. And he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. At once more he bent down and wrote. And there's all sorts of ideas about what he's writing, right? But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? I just love that. I just love the character and the person of Jesus. Where are they? Has anyone condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Amen. I love that. This is our God. This is our God. Our God is not rigid and he's not about the law. He's always about the heart of the person. That's why the law even existed. You know, the we, we, vengeance is mine. Well, I'll get there in a second. Another scripture we see, Jesus is, you know, he, he breaks the Sabbath. And back in Matthew 5, he'll talk about the law six different times and say, the Bible says this, but I tell you this. Murder, but you shouldn't even get angry, right? Adultery, but you shouldn't even look with a woman in your, in, in your, with, with lust in your heart. He talks about divorce, oath, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. The law says one thing, and it seems to me that Jesus is saying something else. Here's the deal. Jesus knows the context of the Holy Scripture. He knows this book, but he also knows the intention of Scripture. And this is so important because religion, even our religion, kills people. It's never been about that. And it used to almost be a a cliche thing. It's not religion, it's relationship. But I'm going to tell you, I feel like we swung back this way again. We need to talk about relationship. This is God's intention for all of us. To have a relationship with him so for instance eye for an eye tooth for a tooth was not meant to increase vengeance but actually to limit it isn't that amazing well the the bible says tooth for a tooth yeah understanding that it was tooth for teeth back then right the law was set up to limit that judgmentalness spirit and then knowing the Old Testament and the New Testament is going to be written about him, he says, if you're going to be friends with me, I, and you're going to have to take less vengeance. That's what I love about Jesus. Oh, the rich young ruler. Oh, I've kept the law from birth. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And he walks away sad. Now, is that what gets us to heaven? Is that what gets us to a relationship with God? No. But Jesus is getting to his heart. I've kept all the commands. No, you haven't. I wonder why he just didn't argue that he didn't keep the commands. But the greatest idol in his life was his possessions. And he went right to the heart. The Lord is always after our heart. Today, he's after our heart. He's not after our actions. If he gets to our heart, he'll get to our actions. But we can do the actions and miss the heart. Jesus isn't changing the law or reversing the law in a sense. He's agreeing with the law. He's just extending it and taking it deeper. Again, Jesus knows context and intention. Here's the thing. The law is not always about the law. It is a contract. But we are not dealing with with a contract we are dealing with a covenant we're dealing with a covenant and there's an important difference a contract is all about product a contract is all about process payment and that's it right covenant might reference a contract, but it's all about relationship. A covenant is about promises. We sang about this morning. A covenant is about promises. You promise to act in a way that's consistent with our relationship. So a grudgingly compliance per, is perfect in a contract. If, if I'm renting from you and I don't pay you more than what I owe you, you're not going to get upset about it. You got the payment. But if we enter into a relationship and I'm saying unity, unity, but we don't have any action to back it up. Then where is that relationship? God backed up this, this covenant with us all on his part. He did it, he went there. He did everything so we could have a relationship with him, not a book of do this or do that or do this. But a covenant is more like a marriage. We're doing the minimum, right? Doing the minimum, it's not getting us anywhere. <laughs> right? I Try that one. That, that's not going to last. Scripture is never intended to be a contract. Scripture is covenant. It's all about relationship. It's a story of relationship with God. And you can see that this book is relational. David, when he screws up, right? Remember, remember King David? He's rightly repentant, but you'll never read about David getting down on his knees and saying, Oh, Lord, make me more law compliant. Make me better at keeping the law. Right? No, instead he cries, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit. Jesus is getting to the heart. You can know the Bible and not know Jesus. However, you cannot know Jesus without knowing the Bible. Oh man, I'm halfway through, so I'll... <laughs> let, me, let me tell you the, the heart of this message, okay? Um, a mentor of mine turned 92 weeks ago. Actually, I lost, my, I lost my family, I won't get into that, in a tra- tragic car accident 12 years ago. And this family, my mentor said, I, I, we want to be your parents, which was a really lovely thing. And, um, and now he's 90. And the family wanted me wanted to fly me into Washington D.C. and speak at his 90th birthday party. What a what an honor! His mind is slipping. I don't have much more time with him, you know. And we've 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 been walking together over 20 years. I know this man. He's invested a lot in me. And then I show up at his house, and they got this brand new book of pictures. Uh, like the family got together and got all, got all the. Uh, photos together and then they put they put their story where they went to school how he started ministry all of this stuff in the front of the book and I'm reading this thing and I and I've, and I've seen a lot of the pictures that were in there and I know a lot of the stuff but there's stuff I don't know stuff I don't know about him that I'm like oh my goodness I never knew that we were in the same city at the same time da, 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 you know oh and that picture oh that I love that picture And it just made my relationship with him richer. But if I were to have you over and look at that book. Yeah, you would be like, oh, you would know him a little. You'd see some pictures. You'd know a little bit of his story. But you wouldn't really know him. You wouldn't really know him. In your walk with God right now. Where is your relationship? Where is that intimacy? Have you settled for less? And I'm telling you this as one that has to fight that, okay? Let's be real. Because you know what? Nobody else can tell. Only you can. But you remember the warmth of that relationship that got you born again before in the first place? Do you still have that? Or has it become just religious? And religion is just like any other religion. If I climb the ladder today high enough, I'll feel okay about myself as a Christian. Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, they're all doing that. We're all doing that. But Jesus is not the CEO of Christianity. He is a way He's not a religion. And his way wants to take root in our heart. So I'm here as a friend, as a brother. But this is a message that I'm not just sharing with you. I'm sharing with churches across the land that do not leave your first love. Do Do not think by your many disciplines of knowing more about God. That you know Him. He wants to speak to you. Hey, you. He wants to speak to you. Hey, are you listening? Back there, are you listening? God wants to speak to you. And that's what makes a difference. And I'll tell you what. Especially in the times that we're living in right now. We need to be in we are falling apart with stress, with anxiety, with depression, with addictions in the body of Christ. And the only thing that will make it any different is our relationship. I don't call you a servant, Jesus says. I call you a friend. Friend. I mean, I just felt, I I feel at home here today, even as we're worshiping. It's like... These are all my friends. Jesus wants to be our friend. He is Lord. He's boss. He's master. He's king. He's a servant. He's a friend. This is our God. Amen? Amen. Can I do something bold? I want to ask right now, if if this is jiving with you, Okay? If you're saying, man, okay, it's, that's me. I've been, I've been heir on the side of more knowledge. I'm a word man, I'm a church man, I'm given, but I've lost that intimacy with the Lord. If that's you, would you be just so bold to lift your hand? Because I believe right now as we pray, can be a change day for you, but it takes a it takes an action on our part to say, you know what, I want, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to that religion. I don't want to. I don't want to go back to that. Will you raise your hand right now? I want to pray for you. Raise your hand. Yep. Thank you. Yep. I see the hand. I see the hand. Yes. 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 Yes, okay, let's just pray together right now. Father, you have seen our hands raised, Lord. And really, (laughs) you're the only one that matters to see our hand. But right now, God, in our heart, we're saying, Lord, we don't want to be religious. We don't want to be contractual. We want to be covenantal. We want to have That personal relationship where we're back to speaking again. We're back to talking and I'm back to hearing from you again, Lord. Let today, in the name of Jesus, let today, let the Spirit of God breathe new life. A new wind in our relationship. Anchor us today, God, even in this simple prayer that we will start talking and walking the real stuff that we know, God, today. Show each one of my friends in this room what that will look like for your glory and our good. Amen.
0: Thank you so much, Pastor Tim. Thank you so much for for that word. Such an encouragement. God desires for each one of us to have a relationship with him. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. And through this month, we've been talking about, you know, the series, Unshakable Foundation. God wants to show you how much he loves you. You're trying to figure out if God loves me today. You can find out how much He loves you through His Word. You're faced with uncertainty trying to figure out what's going to happen with your life, where you're going to go, what you're going to do. Every solution to what you're facing can be found in His Word. You're trying to figure out what, what's going to happen tomorrow. Are there good things in store for me? He has promises for you. His promises are yes and amen. And it can be found in His Word. But He wants to have a relationship with you. As much as we want to get to know Him, He wants to get to know us. He wants to get to know her. He wants to reveal what's on his heart for us. Make Make a commitment today. Like Pastor Tim said, if you are not there, it's just been knowledge. Today's not too late to start. To come back into that place of knowing who Jesus is. Falling in love with him and in his word. Can we all stand as we bring this service to a close? We're going to be having our prayer teams at the back to pray for you. But if any one of you would like to get prayer from Pastor Tim, myself, Pastor Tim would be up over here in the front. Let's not crowd. You know, we want to, we want to follow protocol and keep distance. But if any one of, of you would like prayer from Pastor Tim, he's going to be up over here in the front and he'd love to pray for you. Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this word. We thank you for Pastor Tim and his family. We speak a great blessing over him, his family, and his ministry. We thank you, Lord, that just as he's blessed us, we know that he's going to be a blessing to so many more, Father, not just in the city, but around the world. And we thank you that you brought him in our midst today. I pray, Father God, a great blessing over this congregation. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I pray, Father God, that for us, if, we, if, if, if it's for some of us who have decided to start today, I pray, Father God, that you would pour out so much more of your love than we've ever seen. But Lord, I pray and ask that whatever it is that we may do, however it is we may walk through this life, Help us to rely on your word and dig deep into your word and have that word as our unshakable foundation and through that word get to know who you are and have that relationship with you that you so desire for us to have. I pray a great blessing over every person that this week would be a phenomenal week. Filled with signs and wonders, miracles, breakthrough, healing. Whatever it is that every person is looking forward to. We pray that you would do it and so much more. In Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Yeah, give God a hand. Give God a hand. Don't have to stop. <laughs> next week, next we end our fast on the 27th, which is next Sunday. And so we're going to be having a worship service out here, celebrating God, praying together, and trusting God for the great things that He's going to do through this fast. Amen. So invite invite people out over here. Our worship service is next Sunday, same time, same place. God bless you and have a phenomenal week.